Well, this is the genesis of the of the the new era, the new thing. This was the genesis. This was the beginning of 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 everything. The, to the direction that we go right now, you all know that uh, we're gonna move on from from some some of the team members, and we're gonna reload and and get some kids that we really identify with. This is not the end. It's the beginning. This is the genesis. You're right, Prime. There's no doubt, man. Coach Prime hitting the nail on the head. This is the start. This is the genesis. This is the new beginning for Colorado football. And, hey, man, their spring game was on ESPN. All right? Everyone else is on the app. Everyone else is on ESPN, too. Whatever it was, they are on ESPN. So, yeah, I would say things are different in Boulder, Colorado. And their roster is going to look a little different this fall. It might even look a little different today, given where it was just a couple of days ago with 15 guys entering the portal today as well. So a lot to talk about when it comes to Colorado spring game, and they're not the only one. I'm Greg McElroy, Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster alongside. Welcome to a Monday edition of Always College Football. We know we're a little late getting it to you today, but it's all good. We still have a lot that we need to break down, and we're not going to just do it today. We're going to do some today. We're going to listen to some coaches. We're going to listen to Matt Rule. We're going to listen to Brent Venables. We're going to listen to Nick Saban. We're going to listen to Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly. We're going to listen to some coaches sound. We're going to tell you exactly what it was that they meant when taken to the podium after their spring games. We're also going to talk about some of those spring game performances. Some were better than others. There were interceptions aplenty. We're going to dive into the mailbag, talk a little Wisconsin, speaking of interceptions, but a lot that we need to get to here as we continue to move forward here in the spring football season. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into some of these coaches' conversations and talk about some spring performances. Let's start with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sam Hartman taking the field, not disappoint. Now, there were some moments in which it was just the tiniest bit inconsistent when he was at Wake Forest, right? It's to be expected. It was a different offense. They had slow mesh had late reads, things like that. But look, I'm pretty excited about what I saw. I mean, big post, big play. We haven't seen a lot from time to time from Notre Dame where they're really pushing the ball down the field by creating big plays. I also think that when you watch Sam Hartman, he's, I don't want to call him a pro, right? But he has a professional approach. There's just little things that he does throughout the game that just make everybody else a little bit better. The way he can manipulate defenders, you see where he kind of feels, he's looking in one direction and kind of doesn't stare down receivers. He just does the little things right. So I think that was extremely encouraging to see him look as comfortable as he did leading the Fighting Irish offense in the spring game. Now, before we get into, and we're going to continue to break down Notre Dame for quite a while. We have so much that we need to unpack with what's gone on this offseason. But let's just, for today's show, let's focus in on what is, I guess some want to continue to call it a quarterback competition. Let's have a listen to what Marcus Freeman had to say. No, I think we still have quarterback battle. You know, and, and what you can't determine a winner and loser based off one practice, practice 15. And, um, you know, it, again, there, it, and you can't base a decision off of what we view as a certain outcome. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that goes into 
a quarterback battle, but all, obviously the quarterback play. And so I know just being out there, I, we got to go back and watch the film. I'm like, we're not blocking the end. There's some protection issues. We're dropping balls. We got to go and look where the route's exactly precise. I'm always going to defend the quarterbacks because, as I've always said, that position is most like the head coaches. They get praise and criticism. Everybody's going to praise Sam for how we play today. They're going to criticize T- Tyler. All right. There's no doubt that there is so much more to a genuine quarterback competition than just one outcome. If you listen to what I said about Notre Dame's quarterback situation last week, I'm not not patting myself on the back by any stretch, but we had kind of documented the fact that this was not some runaway from Sam Hartman, that Tyler Buckner had made such significant strides this spring to make this a lot more of a competition than most people had assumed. Now, what I said last week is that this is not an indictment on Sam Hartman. It's more of a tip of the cap with how much has happened with Buckner's progress. Some of the areas of concern from last year, some of the things he's addressed, the accuracies improved, all of that is a really, really positive thing. I also told you in last week's show, I said, look, one game, one practice, one Uh, period in practice is not going to determine the winner or loser of this quarterback battle. Ultimately, it's going to be Sam Hartman. I'd be really surprised if it wasn't. But this is clearly something that they want to lead into the summer because knowing that Hartman's played a ton of football, Buckner hasn't played as much, maybe he continues to grow. Maybe ultimately we get to the point where he's actually a slightly better option. I can think of a number of different examples in which that's happened in the past. The best example being just a couple years ago at Florida State. Remember, Florida State had this young quarterback that everyone was real excited about, Jordan Travis, and he was going up against a big high-profile transfer, and that high-profile transfer was coming off of a torn knee, and everyone thought that it was going to be Mackenzie Milton's show, and it was going to be Florida State, when ultimately it was Travis from the very beginning. So I I still think Sam Hartman will be the guy, but let's continue to monitor this. One other thing from Notre Dame's spring game. If there's one thing we know for sure, what helps quarterback play more than anything else? Well, obviously great offensive line. We get that. How about a great run game? And I I can tell you this. You watch Notre Dame's backs. We know Logan Diggs. We know Audrick Estime. Uh, You look at, at Jabron Payne. They have a three headed monster at running back. I mean, they have so many good players in the backfield running back. And I think when you look at pretty much everybody, Jabrian Payne, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, I mean, a bunch of different guys that I think can certainly prove to be able to take the next step. And the young offensive line, man, there's a lot of young offensive linemen on that roster that are poised to have breakout seasons this upcoming season. So I think that the one question mark, if there was one thing to kind of come through, is that wide receiver is still a little bit of a question mark for me. Now, some people feel better about it than I do. It's not that they they don't have talent. I think Tobias Merriweather, I think Deion Colsey, I think those guys are going to be in a pretty good spot. But I, I would j- like for just more guys at wide receiver to step up and for more guys to prove themselves reliable as they continue forward in summer and ultimately in fall camp. So that's the one position offensively that I'll be paying close attention to here down the stretch. But I thought it was a good showing in year number two for Marcus Freeman in his second spring game. A lot to be excited about. Let's move down 
to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. All eyes are naturally going to be on the quarterback position. But before we get to quarterback, let's start with a couple other aspects that I'm pretty optimistic about. One thing that had not been quite as consistent the last couple of years that is proving right now to be possibly a position of strength, the secondary. Y'all, the secondary, and you're going to say, well, look at the quarterback's interception numbers. All Fair enough. Some of the interceptions were tremendous plays. Some were gifts. Okay, but either way, you look at the secondary, and I am really optimistic about what I've seen from that group throughout the entire offseason. You're hearing names like Des Ricks. You're hearing names like Little. You're hearing names, obviously, you know Kool-Aid McKinsey. You know several others. Malachi Moore is now really showcasing that versatility. And it appears with how they've kind of cross-trained some of the players in the back end, these guys are going to be positionless in the back end. When they're listed as a defensive back, that's quite literally what they are. They're not a corner. They're not a safety. They're not a nickel. They can play all of the above. So in the event of an injury, a guy can slide right in. And much like the offensive line, man, you want to have your best five out there? Well, you're going to have the best five out there in the back end for Alabama. And this group appears to be very, very deep. Caleb Downs, Christian Story, Little, like I referenced, there's a bunch. I I think Little might have had the play of the game when he did a full layout on a ball that was slightly behind the intended receiver. Man, he turned that thing in, rolled over it, and made an impressive interception. One other thing that I thought was really impressive, the offensive line in general for Alabama I think is going to be fine. Now, a lot of people are going to look at the offensive line's performance, most notably the right tackle. Understandably so, it was far from a good performance. It wasn't. It just wasn't great. The right side still continues to be an area in which they need to address. But in the fall, you're not going to leave a tackle that might be somewhat of a liability. not going to leave him on an island against a dominant edge rusher. You're going to have to be able to game plan around what could be a liability, but it might be a liability in the spring game. It might not be come fall because if you look at Caden Proctor, his sheer size at tackle, six foot seven, 354 pounds, but he does have some mobility. Maybe he's probably going to lose a little weight in the summertime, get a little bit more agile, get a little bit more flexible. We saw just last year. The LSU Tigers, who we're going to talk about here in just a little bit, they went with not one, but two starting true freshman offensive tackles. It can be done. It's not easy, and you got to have great players at that position. But I think Caden Proctor's future is very, very bright. Very excited about what we saw from him. You couple him with Tyler Booker, who's going to be a complete difference maker. J.C. Latham looks really good at left tackle. You got two Really solid options at center between Darian Dalcourt, Seth McLaughlin. Maybe one of those two slides out the guard. Who knows exactly how it's all going to sort out? Probably Dalcourt at guard. But either way, the offensive line, even though it didn't look great in the game, I am not losing a ton of sleep over it right now. Let's get to the quarterback spot because that's where most of the people are beginning to freak out in and around the Alabama program. Look, inside the program, I think they're comfortable with what they have. But if you're looking at it from an outside observer, you're looking at the stat sheet, two interceptions from Jalen Milrow, two, uh, an interception from Ty Simpson, guys that really, I, I didn't think either one took great reins 
of the job. I think the two freshmen, if anything else, Dylan Longerin and Eli Holstein might have looked even the tiniest bit more comfortable than either of the aforementioned two in Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. But either way, the quarterback position is very much a work in progress. It is. There's going to be things that they need to figure out, but not all interceptions are created equal. When I look at an interception in a Hail Mary situation, I'm not going to look at it the same as I would an interception where you're making a terrible decision. And there was one really bad decision made. It was by Jalen Milrow, who felt pressure up the middle in his own end zone, threw it off his back foot and airmailed it right to an Alabama defender. Those are the mistakes that you just can't have. But the interception that Ty Simpson threw was just slightly behind the wide receiver, and it was slightly late. The ball fluttered just a hair. It led to an incredible defensive play. Not all interceptions are created equal. At this point, if you're looking at the quarterback spot and you're saying, we can't win with these guys, I I don't know if I completely agree. Let's listen to what Nick Saban had to say about his quarterbacks. You know, we've tried to build this program here with the guys that we recruit and the people in the program, but we have had a few guys that have come in and made, you know, real impacts on the team. And if we see an opportunity to do that, we're always looking for uh, a way to make our team better. If you listen to what he's saying, he's obviously not going to jump up and down and do cartwheels over multiple interceptions. He's not going to do go above and beyond and say, this guy's our guy. We're going to ride him into the summer because then you run the risk of losing one of the other guys on the roster. All things considered though, when you look at where Alabama has its strengths, it's not going to be an Alabama team based on what we saw on Saturday. It's not going to be an Alabama team that resembles the Alabama teams we've seen from 2018 through 2022. 2018, of course, was the start of the Tua Tungabailoa era. 2019, you had Tua. 2020, you had Mac. And the last two years, you had Bryce Young. It's not going to look the same. The quarterback, at least early in the season, based on what we've seen up to this point, is purely going to be a facilitator. He's going to be a guy that's going to distribute the football, a guy whose number one job is to protect the football and to make great decisions both in the run game and in the pass game. So if the quarterback reverts back to a little bit more of a game manager style player, that's okay because I was really optimistic with what I saw from the receiver position. I think they have a bunch of guys that are clearly ready to take a significant step forward, felt really good about the tight end spot, and also felt excellent with what I saw from some of the young running backs and just the offense as a whole. This is a work in progress. It's a brand new offense that, or a brand new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese, not a brand new offense by any stretch of the imagination, but there are going to be some things that need to get addressed here in the next several months, but they have time. It was far from the worst eight-day performance I've seen as a guy that ultimately ended up playing good football in the fall. They're going to be okay. Just give it time and understand and drive home whatever it is you have to drive home to the guys that will be fighting this thing out throughout the summer and fall camp. Drive home that you don't have to be a superstar. Just do and take what the defense gives you. If you take what the defense gives you, ultimately, they will give you the game. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Moving forward to the LSU Tigers, Brian Kelly is back on the Bayou for spring number two. I think this is a really important... Let's start with his sound before we get to the breakdown because he says a lot, I think, in what is a very short clip. So let's take a listen to the head coach of the LSU Tigers, Brian Kelly. You know, as I told them, no longer are we going to sneak up on anybody. Um, You know, we're the SEC uh, West champs. So... um, and everybody now is is got their eye towards LSU. So um, make sure you take that into your training. Y'all remember what everyone was talking about last year? Is what's what about the fit? I don't I don't think Brian Kelly understands how to get it done. He doesn't. He can't win in the SEC. Well, clearly he's like, hey man, we're not sneaking up on anybody. We're LSU. You know what to expect. We're gonna have to go out there and we're gonna have to play well because we're gonna get everybody's best shot, just like we always have. Here's what I think is going to be interesting. You watch the spring game, spend some time in special teams. And we, we know that special teams last year was a struggle. And that's that's putting it lightly. Spring game is not often a time. Sometimes you just have a punter out there and a, and a deep snapper. You're not even running down on punt. You're not even doing any of these real live special teams drills. But clearly that's been something they've talked an awful lot about. They then again talked a little bit about it. Moving forward, the offensive line appears to be a position that might be a significant strength this year. You got Garrett Dellinger, who's in there at guard now. You got Miles Frazier, who's in there at guard. You got bookends with great tackles. This offensive line going into last year was a massive question mark. Now, heading into year number two under Brian Kelly, you could make a strong case. It's one of, if not the best offensive line returning in the Southeastern Conference. Running back has also been a position that was a little bit of a question mark. John Emery has been long considered to be the guy that's ready to break through. Armani Goodwin and Josh Williams have been banged up at times over the last couple of years. Did feel like at one point last year, Josh Williams was going to be the guy. But everyone seems to have kind of forgotten about Noah Kane. He was a big-time recruit back in 2019, went to Penn State, transferred over, kind of found himself in a running back by committee approach. But I think if given the opportunity to break out, he might be poised for a quiet breakout down there on the bayou. And then the other thing that everyone seems to be talking about, Kyron Lacey, my goodness. I mean, this guy made the play of the spring so far. If you didn't see it, that one-handed jump up OBJ style, continue on for the 70-yard touchdown. And if you listen to Mike Denbrock, you listen to those that are close to the program, we know Malik Neighbors is a dude. We know that. He's a go-to guy 
one of the most productive returning receivers in the Southeastern Conference. But now you have possibly a Robin to Malik Neighbors Batman in Kyron Lacey. Did have a lot of drops last year, but it appears as though things are in the past for him as far as inconsistency is concerned. And then finally, the quarterback spot. People have talked about it being a legitimate quarterback competition. I don't see it that way. Now, it's not taking anything, anything away from from any of the quarterbacks. But man, let's just be real. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer's a good player. Big arm, very exciting future there for Garrett Nussmeyer. But Jaden Daniels is quarterback one, man. He's the guy. He's the guy right now, and it does appear as though he's developing some rapport. He does appear to be more comfortable in the system, and he isn't necessarily playing hero ball the way he did at times last year. Very exciting times on the bayou for the LSU Tigers. I can't wait to see what they're going to look like this year. Well, this is the genesis of the of the the new era, the new thing. This was the genesis. This was the beginning of 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 everything. Uh, to the direction that we go right now, you all know that uh, we're gonna move on from from some some of the team members, and we're gonna reload and and get some kids that we really identify with. So it, it's this process is gonna be uh, quick. It's gonna be fast, but uh, we're gonna get it done. I think I'm meeting. I don't know how many darn kids and families I got to meet after this, but they waiting for me to get up there and we go roll. <clears throat> but I love it. I love every darn minute of it. I, I, I mean, I love it. I love the, I, I told you I sat in three seats. That's what y'all don't get. I sat in all three seats. What do you mean by that, Coach Prime? I'm glad you asked. I was the kid that was recruited. I was the parent sitting by the kid when my sons were recruited. Now I'm the coach recruiting the kid and talking to the parent and telling them the God honest truth with no game. No game whatsoever. Straight up. Let's go to one of the most anticipated spring games of the entire offseason, and it's the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, in case you missed it, or in case you've missed it, we're taping this here on a Monday. 15 guys have entered the portal for the Colorado Buffaloes. It's far from ideal. That's obviously a team that we talked about last week. 44 new faces will be taking the field for the Buffaloes this fall. So many different guys added via the portal, 25 to be exact, 19 that were a part of Deion Sanders' initial recruiting class. Now you have 15 guys that have since entered the portal. Let's start with the positives. Sidor Sanders, I think, looks like he's poised to be really, really solid. How about this? 16 and 19 for 219 and a couple touchdowns. Also did a pretty good job of using his legs, even though in a spring game setting, quarterback run game is not always going to go as well as it's going to go in the fall. We know Travis Hunter is not going to have any issues making the jump from Jackson State to Colorado. He's a two-way player at Jackson State. Prepare for more of the same when preparing for the Buffaloes earlier this year. I think when you look at him, man, I think he's going to be very, very intriguing. Now, I think ultimately his final position will be a corner. I think that's where he's going to make a ton of money. (laughs) I think he's going to be very successful at the next level because of his length. And because of just how twitchy he is, how quick he can come out of breaks and things like that, man, he's pretty dang good at wide receiver as well. I think figuring out just how many snaps you want to give him on offense is something that they're going to have to figure out early on. The one thing that I am a little bit concerned about, you look at the defense, man. We've talked a lot 
about Colorado and the additions offensively and the excitement that's been generated with Sean Lewis and that new up-tempo offense they're going to be using there in Boulder. But the defense clearly has some legitimate problems. They got a few guys up front defensively that I think can play at a high level. I just don't think that the guys up front along the defensive line are game changers yet. And what have I said for a long time here? I think the most important position is quarterback. I think the second most important position in college football is the defensive line. If your defensive line can't get after the opposing quarterbacks, especially in the Pac-12, looking at all the quarterbacks you're going to have to face, you could be in for a little bit of a long year. Very excited about the progress that's likely going to be made by Colorado this year. But after watching the tape back, I'm going to reserve the right to judge, but I think getting to a bowl game in year number one would be a remarkable achievement for Deion Sanders and co either way. They looked a lot better than they did. To be honest with you, I don't know if I've ever watched a Colorado spring game, but they looked a lot better than they did last fall. So there's reason to believe that what he's selling is already starting to take shape there in the Rocky mountains. Let's talk about the Nebraska corn Huskers just a little bit to the East of the Colorado Buffaloes. This was a highly anticipated spring game, man. You think about what Matt Rule's trying to create. You think about the the personnel that they're trying to accumulate. Here's a couple takeaways. The quarterback position is in very good, ha- good hands. Thought it might be too, because Jeff Sims, even dating back to when he was a true freshman, I called his first ever college game. He played against Florida State. Feels like a million years ago, but you could see this guy had legitimate juice. I think this guy's got a real chance to really look good in this offense. There's a lot to like about what we've seen from Jeff Sims. I think he has a firm grasp of what they're trying to be. I think he's already, as you can tell, developed a bit of a rapport with Billy Kemp. He's going to be in a great position to catch a lot of passes Billy Kemp is next year. I think he's got a chance to be the go-to guy. And the run game in general, man, the run game, and look, it's not, Is it the 95 Nebraska team running the football? Probably not, no. But I do think that there's reason to be pretty optimistic about them being a little bit more consistent when running the football. Now, let's keep it real, man. The Big Ten is a tough league. If you're trying to be ground and pound, you're trying to run it right down people's throats, it's a hard league to do it in, man. Because if you look at Wisconsin, you look at Iowa, You look even at Northwestern in the past, maybe not as much in recent years, but in the past. You look at Michigan State. You look at all these programs, man, they are built up front to defend the run. They are so good against the run in the Big Ten. Statistically speaking, over the last handful of years, there has been no other conference in college football that is better against the run than the Big Ten. But if you look at how Nebraska ran the football, including some of the runs by Jeff Sims, I think they might have a chance a chance to run the ball pretty well this season. On defense, a couple of young players that I think have a chance to step up. Prince Uman Mielen, there's a lot to be excited about with him. A couple tackles for a loss. Young, true freshman that might be able to have a little bit of an impact already this year. Maverick Noonan's another name that continued to stand out. Cameron Lenhart. Another name that continues to stand out. A couple of young guys, you just kept hearing their name over and over again. It's like, hang on, these guys are young and they might make some mistakes, but they might also make some plays too. And hey, one, two, three years from now, maybe those guys are going to be legitimate difference makers in the front seven defensively for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Ultimately, the defense, 
uh, I thought looked a little bit sharper. They're a little bit ahead of the offense at that point. A couple fumbles, obviously a defensive touchdown. So there were some things that you got to feel pretty good about with Nebraska. They forced some turnovers. Uh, they did a pretty good job on the first couple drives, holding the first team offense out of the end zone. So the defense slightly ahead of the offense at this point, but still way too early to jump to conclusions about what Nebraska is going to be. All in all, thought it was a pretty solid day. Let's take a listen to Matt Rule, the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This will be so much easier for them next year. Like they, they like every day is hard for them because um, it's hard for the new coaches because everything's so new. You know, when I say like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this drill," it's like they don't even know what the drill is. Next year, they'll know what to expect. You're right, coach. It will be easier. The first time you go through in a coaching transition, it's awful trying to weed guys out, getting guys to buy in. Now they understand the expectation. I think Brian Kelly can attest to this. I think Marcus Freeman can attest to this. Most coaches. After year one, it gets easier from that point forward. So hopefully it will for all the incredible fans there in Lincoln, Nebraska as well. Let's go to a rival of the Nebraska Cornhuskers for a moment, if we will. Let's talk a little bit about the Oklahoma Sooners. Tell me if you thought you'd think, thought you'd think, maybe that works. Tell me if you thought I would start defensively with Oklahoma, because I didn't think I would. <laughs> I didn't think I would. Now, I'm still kind of trying to figure out how they scored their game. It was by far the most confusing thing I've ever. You're getting this many points for missed field goals. This I, I couldn't figure it out. I'll just be honest. I could not figure it out. But nonetheless, I can assess whether or not these guys. Played hard, played well, executed, all that stuff. Scoring, throw it out the window because the Oklahoma Sooner scoring system is far too advanced for me or, or really anyone that's a layman. I feel bad for the guy that was up there in the PA booth trying to do the scoreboard because I would have had a difficult time with that. You look at the offense, man. They struggled in the first quarter and got to be pretty excited about what you've seen from the impact transfer from Indiana. Desan McCall was all over the place, man. I mean, he was everywhere. And that he was probably one of the guys on the defensive side that I really wanted to see step up. So he clearly looks poised to become a big-time difference maker for the Sooners. That is encouraging. The other thing that I wanted to look at were the trio of five-star freshmen, Jackson Arnold, Peyton Bowen, and P.J. Adebaware. Okay, those are the three guys that I really wanted to take a peek at. Now, Arnold, a little bit of a slow start. Kind of had a couple things tipped at the line of scrimmage. The pass rush clearly wasn't great. You look at the numbers, three for nine, 22 yards in the first half. It wasn't exactly what you wanted. It was windy. It wasn't perfect throwing conditions. But I do think you could see some of the arm talent when he threw the ball. I mean, he's got some juice on that football. So there's a lot to be excited about with his future. I think he's in a good spot. Bowen, on the other hand, big-time safety, interception on the second drive. There's a lot to like, I think, about some of the young guys that might be stepping into pivotal roles for the Sooners on both sides of the ball this year. The receivers are something that I'm very interested in, right? The receivers are something that I've been very intrigued by. Farouk looks like he could be poised to have a really nice year. Drake Stoops also in a pretty good spot to feel like you know he's in a, in a position to potentially continue doing what it was that he's doing. But you also see some of the other guys, 10 guys ultimately caught passes 
for the Sooners in the first half of that football game. It didn't appear like they were really targeting one specific guy. It looked like they were really kind of spreading it around and, and kind of distributing the football, allowing the offense and the system to come front and center more so than the personnel, which I think is a sight for sore eyes. Moving on to the quarterback situation, I think they're going to be just fine. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel's a dude, played at a high level for a very long time, not concerned whatsoever. All in all, it was a little difficult to get a gauge on Oklahoma. Was the offense playing well at times? Sure, there were some positive moments. Was the defense playing well at times? Absolutely, there's some positive moments, but still is a little bit up and down. And there's one thing that I do know, though, is that Brent Venable is going to bring the energy. Let's take a listen to what he had to say about their spring game. And for those naysayers that claim that support and attendance for a spring game doesn't matter, it's because they have a program that does it. <laughs> Talking about spring game attendance. You remember this. Now, I went through the spring game rules, rules a couple weeks ago. And I went through and I said the eight rules that you have to live by, don't overreact, don't freak out if your offense doesn't look, all this other stuff. But number eight was spring game attendance matters. Now, don't get it twisted. Now, you can have 100,000 in the stadium. You might have 12,000 in the stadium. It doesn't matter. Like LSU, I think, had like 12, 15,000 people in the stadium. Who cares? You're still going to be really good. You're still going to win a lot of games. But do not get it twisted. If you have a well attended spring game that can go a long way on the recruiting trail and could benefit you down the road. So I completely agree with Brent Venables, but it, it wasn't necessary to take shots at other, other places. I respect it though. Nonetheless, great, great stuff as we kind of bounce it around. We still have a lot of games that we want to get to, but in an effort to preserve a little time for our mailbag, we're going to end it right there. We are, however, later in the week going to talk a little bit more about what we saw last weekend, some of the positives, some of the negatives as we dive a little bit deeper into some of these games. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we wanted to carve out some time. We had some great questions that were submitted this past week. Keep them coming. Always collegefootball at gmail.com. We will, without question, continue to get those more and more as we move forward into the offseason. Coops, where are we going today? All right, first question. Uh, Sam in New Jersey, what should we make of Wisconsin's first spring game under Luke Fickle? Tanner Mordecai looked shaky with four INTs. Is there any concern or are the Badger fans overreacting? I don't think you're overreacting. You look at the numbers. There were at least 10 sacks, five interceptions. It was 
it was sloppy. Now, I'm not going to try to sit here and say it wasn't. Sometimes, like we've talked about with Ohio State, sometimes like we talked about with other places, not all interceptions are created equal. So, but th- this was a this was a shaky showing for the most part, no denying that. But it doesn't mean these things can't get ironed out. I mean, Ricardo Hallman had three picks by himself. Is he en route to a potential game-changing season where he comes a, comes a lockdown guy? I mean, that's that's a possibility. I don't know. Tanner Mordecai had four interceptions, missed a bunch of throws. There were a few concerns. Okay, I'm not going to try to sit here and spin it and say it was a good performance. It wasn't. It was far from a good performance. But I'll say this, and I said this the other day. I believe it was last week, maybe Friday, maybe it was Thursday, when talking about Wisconsin's spring game and specific to their offense, okay? Their offense with Phil Longo is an offense that puts a high emphasis on feeling zones, on understanding coverage, on being on the same page, quarterback and wide receiver, When a route is called to go deep, well, if the defender is deep, the receiver is not going to continue to run to get covered. They're going to stop that route, settle it down, and create separation. And that communication, or I guess you could call it chemistry, from quarterback to wide receiver probably isn't totally fully developed at this point. It's going to have to continue to get reps, and that's what spring is all about. Look, you want to try to develop that chemistry, but 15 practices isn't enough. You know what is? Seven on sevens throughout the course of summer. The one thing that did concern me, though, let's be real. You can talk to any coach that coaches in the MAC, and you can talk to coaches that coached in the Big Ten. If you're going to just air it out all over the yard, there are going to be games in the Big Ten where it's going to be really difficult to throw the football. Just ask C.J. Stroud and what was an insanely high-powered offense last year. When they were playing against Northwestern, do you think they were able to score 21 points because of talent? No, they, they were only able to score 21 points because of circumstances, because of weather, because of conditions. And in November, in late October sometimes, you're going to run into a game that is really difficult to be effective throwing the football. And if you can't effectively run the football the way Wisconsin has forever, then your offense could be up against it. So that would be my only concern. If you're moving into this style of offense, it's great. It's awesome that you're getting into a new age offense that people are really excited about playing in, which is why you've had so many quarterbacks transfer to go be a part of your program. But there are going to come games this fall where it is difficult conditions and your offense is going to have to be able to overcome the elements. And clearly with less than perfect weather on Saturday, it was a tough showing. So I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to say that Tanner Mordecai can't play. Why? Because I've seen Tanner Mordecai play and I've seen him play well for the better part of the last few years at SMU. He can play well at Wisconsin. Again, it was just a tough day, but they're going to have to really emphasize being able to create that quarterback, the wide receiver chemistry in the fall by working really hard this summer in their seven on sevens and their routes on air. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. Please continue to send in your mailbag questions. We're getting to them a little at a time. We've done Syracuse. We've done FAU. We've done a bunch. If you want to hear about your team, you want to break down your team, maybe in spring, maybe it's something that you're excited about in the fall. Maybe it's a newcomer that you want to ask us about. Maybe it's a new coordinator. 
who knows? Just take it wherever you want to go. We look forward to engaging in those discussions. So email us, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on our social media, alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.